The best government is a benevolent tyranny tempered by an occasional assassination. A man called François-Marie Arouet, better known as Voltaire, French writer, historian and philosopher said this. Recently, October the 31st marked former Indian Prime Minister Indira Gandhi's death anniversary. The late Congress politician and Prime Minister, former Prime Minister of India was assassinated by two of her own bodyguards on that day in 1984 after she ordered military action in Operation Blue Star in the Golden Temple at Amritsar, amongst other things. This week, we have decided to turn the spotlight on famous assassinations throughout the course of history, the build-up, the incident, the politics, the aftermath, and broad-reaching ramifications post that, with some of them brought into play. All this with all our regular sections and much more. Welcome back to our podcast after a short break. I'm Ratan Basu, and with me, as always, is Joy Bhattacharya, who's itching to share some fascinating insights today. And this is Fact of the Matter. Hi, Joy. Welcome back. I think um, you've been spending an awful lot of time discussing about cricket, about, you know, you're busy with your tournaments, with the World Cup and so on and so forth. How does it feel to move from a world where people are, you know, murdering a a cricket ball on a cricket pitch and move from that to talking about assassinations? No, I'm actually really enjoying it. It's a great break. I mean, and the way the cricket ball is being murdered recently, it's better to go back in history and modern history and find out some about some of our assassinations. And uh, what is so interesting about it is that so many of our assassinations are actually so badly botched up that you're amazed that people were actually successful. Right. Uh, so the one I want to start off with is, of course, the most famous, perhaps the most you know important assassination in modern history, which is Archduke Ferdinand when he was killed at Sarajevo by Gavilo Princip of the Black Hand. So, you know, you look at it from outside and you imagine this one situation where there's this one deadly assassin, like, you know, uh, exactly like John F. Kennedy, one lone gunsman. In this case, there were six assassins arranged in a row, okay. There were three cars. Ferdinand came to visit. There were in three cars. Firstly, his special police detail was supposed to get onto the first car. Right. But local police officers wanted to be a part of the motorcade. So all his special security was left behind because they got onto the first car. Now there are six assassins waiting in a row. Okay. Yep. And yep. the car is going through the place. Okay. The first assassin decided not to act. You know, he just got cold feet. Okay. Then the next guy, Vaso. Yeah. He had a bomb and a pistol. He also decided not to act. Then there's a third guy who had a bomb. And Kaprinovic, his name was, he threw yeah. a bomb. Yeah. The bomb hit the back of the vehicle, came back, exploded, and the next car got blown away. Okay. Kaprinovic decides to commit suicide. Okay. He has a cyanide pill and jumps into the river. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The river is only 13 centimeters of water, so he can't <laughs> commit suicide. And the cyanide pill doesn't work. So all this happens. Ferdinand escapes, goes there, mayor gives a speech and Ferdinand is saying, look, these people are attacking me and mayor said, it's okay, but you know, you can give a speech. And on the way back, now Gavilo Princip is waiting out there and they take a wrong turn on the way back. So the car is actually backing off and it stalls and literally in front of Gavilo Princip, Archduke Ferdinand's car stalls and he's literally five feet away from a stationary car. So he takes out his pistol and shoots Archduke Ferdinand and his wife, Sophia. So all this, you can imagine, it's a it's a series of 
messed up by everyone after which find so, something happens so my question is and i understand the implication of this one incident which basically triggered the first of the two great wars right at the beginning of the, the last century this sounds like a litany of messes happening and it sounds more like a <laughs> marx brothers movie than i mean it, this could be like a yeah, slaps, a, a slapstick movie where there is this one man who's frantically trying to explain to people around that you know what some people are taking pot shots at me four have missed and i have seen them and you want me to go up on stage and make a speech i mean give me a break man i mean what but but what a what a fascinating no carry on i mean i just thought no I, no i'm 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 done man that is the so, story i otherwise i I, you've got you've got a couple of good ones. Yes, I mean I've got quite a few, so I'll, I'll try and rush through. But you know what? The central theme of main course, which is what our first section is and what we are talking about now, um, is going to change slightly. I feel joy now from assassinations to how not to do assassinations <laughs> if, if you are really serious. Because I will explain as I go on. More than assassinations, probably we'll end up talking about. botched or semi botched or slapstick attempts at this so you talk of the incident which launched uh, world war 1 i'm going to talk of an incident i'll focus on an incident which was part of second world war or world war 2 and this is about a man called reinhard heydrich now all of us or many of us may have heard of him could see a lot of movies there have been about 6 or 7 movies made about him and the incident of his assassination but to cut a long story short who was he he was the commander of the reich security main office but more importantly he was the head or the acting governor of bohemia and moravia which is present day czechoslovakia czech republic broadly but the bigger thing is he was a principal art- architect of the holocaust and not only was he one of the most powerful men in nazi germany and an important figure in adolf hitler's you know a close circle but um, he was brought in to essentially make the czech partisan movement die completely i mean hitler actually thought that the previous guy von neurath was very lenient and uh, to the to the czech anti german sentiment and you know uh as a result there was a lot of anti german resistance through sabotage and strikes and partisans and heydrich was sent to strengthen policy and carry out countermeasures but heydrich was much more than that not only was he hardcore administrator kept up his production quotas of motors and arms which was very important to the war effort he was like a de facto dictator of bohemia and moravia and joy he used to drive with his chauffeur in a car with an open roof he was so confident that the occupation forces and the effectiveness of his government was you know all pervasive due to this brutal efficiency he was also called the butcher of prague blond beast the hangman and he was also one of the key architects like i said of the entire holocaust regime to setting up of uh, concentration camps etc now this assassination attempt has another interesting point this is the probably the only government sponsored assassination which i found of a senior nazi leader during the second world war and why do i say that because the british special operations executive the soe actually trained a lot of assassins or soldiers of the Czechoslovak army who were in exile in England and Scotland and prepared them trained them with the approval of the Czech government in exile and created this operation called operation anthropoid which is now 
available as a movie it has been covered operation daybreak is another movie which you know uh, you would have heard of operation anthropoid was you know planned beautifully there were uh, like you said there were magnificent stories over there of initial soldiers of the Czech republic who were training and then one of them had a training injury in the head and then he was replaced so jean kubis came in and this caused delays in the mission so there was a lot of you know <laughs> excitement and action which was coming in training was supervised by a guy called major alfgar hesket pritchard who was the british head of the czech section and they decided to develop a weapon which was light enough to throw but still be lethal to the armor plated mercedes which heydrich always used and pritchard had apparently a strong cricketing background joy his father being a first class bowler and he tried to say that you know the the sort of uh, grenade which they would chuck or the bomb was actually very easy being a bowler but the checks apparently looked at him very weirdly but to cut a long story short the attack was as you said unbelievable chaos hydrick's green top mercedes made a you know a stop which was not a regular stop at a tram stop they thought that there was a curve in the road the assassins that would force the car to slow down but apparently uh, it reached the curve late gapchik one of the assassins dropped the raincoat raised his gun but the gun jammed as the car passed hydric made the only fatal error instead of asking his driver to accelerate and escape the scene he stood up being the aryan god he was and drew his luger pistol and asked the driver to halt he wanted to shoot these guys who had the temerity to attack him then the other guy kobis who had not been spotted through this anti tank grenade but he misjudged the throw instead of landing inside the mark it landed against the rear wheel and detonated so all sorts of excitement happened hydrix and klein they jumped out of the mercedes there was a lot of uh, face offs shots fired one of the guys cubis jumped on his bicycle and pedaled away the other guys he tried to uh, run away held his face in pain because he was hit but then he ran into a shop collided with one of the assassins so if you go through the story it is fascinating and for listeners i mean you know uh, the, the best thing is just to read more and more about this but in the end Hydric died of his wounds uh, some say it was from a botulism poison some say it was because of his uh, you know an embolism but the story doesn't end there after his death hitler was so so angry that when nazi intelligence falsely links this assassination to a village of lidis hitler forced the germans and the guests supposed to commit the lidis massacre 199 men were killed 195 women were deported to ravensbrück concentration camp 95 children were taken prisoners and many of them were exterminated but this i thought was a fascinating story by the way to end it the assassins joy were finally narrowed and they were finally found in a church and this is a famous scene in operation daybreak and even in anthropoid where they they were actually betrayed by the way by somebody uh, one of their like uh, a kurda uh, a czech resistance fighter who otherwise they would have escaped and they were they finally committed suicide that they didn't come out so that was the story about reinhard heydrich and uh, yeah, yeah he, and, he is just an amazing amazing guy i mean he's just such a evil evil man has never been known and to be known as evil among a set of nazis means you have to be particularly dire so heydrich was hated more than perhaps and they say even himmler and hitler was slightly scared of him because he was absolutely. so absolutely mad so i mean yeah. it goes to show joy that 
there must be so many movies about Hitler, right? But Heydrich uh, had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Ten movies at at uh, last count. With Anthropoid, Man with the Iron Heart, which is on a web series, Lidis, Bullet for Heydrich, Operation Day, Daybreak, The Colovo, Hangmen Also Die, Hitler's Madman, which I think is probably the most appropriate title. Yeah, I tell you. I mean, this... But, this uh, you know, I was... You see, if you look at it, history is replete with assassinations because that's how, you know, you don't have democratic leaders. So how do leaders change? Somebody kills off the other, somebody conquers them. Yeah. So... What I want to talk about is something called Mithridate. Okay? okay, Mithridate is named after a king called uh, Mithridate the Sixth. You know, who was in around 120-130 BC. Yeah, and he invented a way of fighting one form of assassination. See, one of the most easy ways to assassinate somebody was to poison them. And so Mithridate six decided he thought that his mother is probably poisoning him because she was favoring another brother. So what he started doing was. to make sure that he couldn't get poisoned enough he started having small amounts of poison in his food non lethal doses and slowly mixing them into his system so that after a while you actually basically get inoculated against poison and he didn't get poisoned and he had all sorts of other things he used to have a bull and a pig around him who could sniff out danger and he was one of the most successful kings and he fought against the romans and since then many many kings have tried to do this you know trying to inoculate against yourself against poison by having small doses of non lethal poison the most interesting part of it is that there is a indian equivalent which is even before so there is this uh, book uh, jain work called rajavila katha which okay. is all about chandragupta maurya okay and chandragupta maurya his advisor of course chanakya always wanted to guard against all dangers so what he did was he also started doing this mithridatism that is giving him small amounts of poison right. till he got used to it and increasing the doses gradually till his body got completely immune and there's a tragedy connected with this so chandragupta not knowing that you know he's being inoculated like this by chanakya actually shared his meal with his wife queen durdhara ah. and uh, she was wow. pregnant at the time and she died she collapsed and she died but she, because she was pregnant they tried to immediately chanakya tried to save the baby so they you know did a cesarean cut open the baby and took him out but they say a little bit of the poison had reached the baby's system uh-huh. and therefore there was a touch of blue on his forehead and that's why chandragupta maurya's son is named bindusara but uh, wow. fascinating how they used to do stuff like that wow fantastic what a, what a fantastic story bindusara with the touch of blue well, that's brilliant i mean so history is replete i mean um tell me wasn't uh, napoleon when he was uh, you know exiled isn't there a story that he was slow poisoned or or you know the the brits when i think in st helena right where where he was finally yeah they, where he very died yeah they definitely they exhumed him yeah they exhumed him and they believed that there were large amounts of arsenic and other stuff in his system so poison there's napoleon and the borgia poison pope, has been used even recently and, and the borgia pope who was definitely assassinated and very similar story there was a a rival monk a young boy who was actually given small doses of poison to make himself immune very similar story and then when you know he was employed almost like a taster to the pope so when he tasted nothing happened to him but then you know the pope would instantly get affected wow. right? that that wow, was the, that's a brilliant that was the plan and yeah and then apparently what happened was i think they got the dosage wrong so even though the kid 
poor guy i mean what a life he must have had even though he was immune to maybe this a small dose but he reacted violently but by then the pope had already had the food and um, this was one of the bourgeois popes and a very well documented in a brilliant uh, you know web series i saw where uh, jeremy irons played the role of the of the pope and then they had to use charcoal can you imagine to save him apparently as a gastric lavage as in something to take out poison from your system what they do is they ground charcoal powder and shove tons of it down your throat and charcoal apparently is a massive absorbent so it sort of stops the poison from entering your bloodstream and soaks it out and then after some time oh it was a i mean on when you see it on tv it looks bizarre but i can get the science of it but poison failed poison poison has always been a part i mean cleopatra and the basket of uh, asps right in olives yeah. basket she of olives with it yeah and asked for that but even more recently if you look at it more recently markov you know the the bulgarian dissident hmm. you know somebody killed him with a poison umbrella in 1978 just hit him with ricin in a poison umbrella and you've seen that scene recently there was a hindi film called razi which is all a spy thriller based yes. out there and yes. alia bhat is indian spy yes. and that scene is so clip picked up from the 1978 assassination of markov who was waiting for a bus in waterloo bridge when he was hit by a stab in his thigh by the way so yeah know, by the way do you know that um, the entire box of olives and that one asked and how it was prepared and the number of olives were very very specific because there was one asp lot of olives and that was the world's first example of what is called the aspect ratio so i just thought i'll share that with you uh no so take yes. what away from That's, this okay okay yeah. okay it is i i think we're done now i'm yeah. done with assassinations i'm done with this subject no i before you go i have a quick interesting one since you're so busy with go the world it. of go for it world go of for it. cricket i'm going to talk about a man called sir francis stanley jackson okay a cricketer played 20 tests scored 1415 runs at a very good average of 48.79 captured 24 wickets at an average of 33 and led england to an ashes triumph in the year 1905 and this was his only series very captained england so you know more popularly known as stanley jackson but at the age of 52 in 1932 after his cricketing days were over he became he had been a tory mp before that and financial secretary to the war office he became the governor of bengal and by that time he was already knighted in 1927 so he was sir stanley jackson and being governor of bengal he was by default the chancellor of calcutta university which is even today i think is the norm now on the 6th of february 1932 at the senate hall of calcutta university he was addressing what the convocation the day you get your degrees when you are graduating now, while he was speaking to the graduate students a 20 year old girl called bina das daughter of a very well known brahmo family educated in a secondary school and also in bethun college what people did not know was she was a member of a semi revolutionary female body called chhatri shongo and Her elder sister was also a freedom fighter now before the ceremony she had a loaded revolver given to her this was concealed in her gown now while sir jackson was announcing that he had procured a grant of 4 lakh rupees for the university she acted she leaped forward towards the dais leveled her revolver and fired five shots in rapid succession from a distance of i think 10 feet and jai guess what she missed all five but that is not the <laughs> end of the story in a very very similar incident to what you mentioned earlier today the governor ducked 
then there was a surgeon who fell on the girl managed to restrain her but then the governor was told to continue the speech and apparently <laughs> he got up he held the podium and he said it's the quickest duck i have ever made in my life he joked at that time in front of the crowd um binadas however this this incident probably has the only happy ending on all sides in the sense that the governor was not killed binadas was arrested sentenced to 9 years because you know she hadn't killed anybody so she escaped a very violent end and she received her charges very calmly it was such a brave thing from a young girl a young freedom fighter and there's so many so many examples other examples but this one i chose because this had the cricketing connect she, she later by the way uh, was released from jail in 1939 joined the congress party participated in the quit india movement and later became uh, a member of the uh, west bengal legislative assembly awarded the padma shri and passed away in 1986 so she stayed for a long while and you know guess how many people remember her connection to the world of cricket through this way oh it's a lovely lovely story and uh, you know i'm i'm just so happy that she was you know she was released she got there she got a full life because so many of these young revolutionaries die so early you know and causes but the best part of it is you know one of my happiest moments was just 9 years back in 2012 when beena das and priti lata wadidar who was obviously the person in the chitagong uh, in the day in the chitagong arms raid yeah both of them not in the chitagong arms raid in the attack on the european club yeah both of them were given their degrees by calcutta university because they had been Fast. you know their degrees had been stopped because they were fighting and if you remember binadas yes. was the podium for a degree yes. yes so finally they were posthumously given their degree and i think it's some sort of a closure i, I was i really made me happy. But that's nice that's great and and you know i i like the fact that uh, like good cricketer Uh, and this is very important given what's happening nowadays around us um so stanley jackson had the had the you know gumption to make a joke and crack on with it and says okay fair enough things have happened but let's move on let's complete the speech let's finish the you know the ceremony give everybody their degrees and move on from here so you know i i really like that as well on the other other side if you were to look at it but i think that's enough about assassinations and um that's enough about main course but we'll quickly move on to our next section which is uh, believe it or not where we talk about weird news and crazy and fun stories from all over the world and joy with your permission i will start with i think a story you will really really like this story is about 80 hippos hippos as a hippopotami in the country of colombia who have recently been legally considered as people by united states court the first non-human creatures to be legally considered people is that is that fun, is that fun enough for you no no i i i remember about you know i remember about, about escobar's hippos yes. and then feral in colombia why are they considered people what is this the is, story about this is brilliant So more than 80 hippos previously owned by Colombian drug lord Pablo Escobar, you know, narco's fame, they have recently been made or accepted as as humans or, or you know, legally considered people. The US District Court of the Southern District of Ohio did this and this is the story. The hippos are descendants of four illegally imported hippos by Escobar. They were set free after his death in 93 and then since then these hippos were I think so happy either because of the cocaine or because they just had their freedom that they increased their numbers to more than 80 four hippos 
over 20 years to uh, increase to they, they're doing well <laughs> they are doing well and they are reportedly they were wreaking havoc on the local ecosystem as a result i mean imagine in the colombian mountains or wherever escobar's property was you know where and suddenly <laughs> suddenly they ate hippos moving around in the farmland so anyway the local people said these hippos need to be killed but animal legal defense fund came into the picture because some they said that they are actually restoring ecological functions lost for thousands of years due to human driven extinctions i mean and as a result colombian attorney luis domingo gomez maldonado filed a lawsuit on behalf of the animals to save them from being killed saying that sterilization was a better option again you know all this came into the us and colombia law gives non human creatures legal standing to bring lawsuits but the country's legal system can't compel someone in the us to produce documents so the us law got involved the district court got involved and as a result by making them or recognizing them as legal persons for the first time in us history these guys have stopped the killing of these hippos and saying that these animals do have legal rights not to be cruelly abused or killed etc etc and all this is to save their lives but i thought this was a brilliant brilliant story joy <laughs> hippos for the first time recognized as as humans and this is probably you know somewhere up there escobar is probably still smiling and saying this yeah. is fantastic you know, it reminds me of that uh, monkey that famous shot where the you know camera was left alone and the he took the photograph of selfie was taken by the monkey yep. and now who has the legal rights who owns intellectual property so yeah <laughs> i i love stories like that i just oh. love stories like that you know are animals human or not so you have something joy Well, I I'm just uh, I I'm slightly overworked myself right now so I completely sympathize with the current story which is of world leaders can't seem to keep their eyes open so first joe biden you know the cop26 summit is happening right and first joe biden was caught dozing off i mean i admit it was a quite a boring speech i heard a little bit of it and joe biden for 20 seconds just closed his eyes he couldn't take it anymore and then a day later boris johnson has the same situation where boris johnson is sitting in a photograph and he looks as if he's definitely definitely sleeping now they deny it but and because it's not on video it's not on video we can't catch it but david attenborough who's 95 years old is sitting next to him who's wide awake yeah and you can see boris johnson completely slumped out there so i i just love this tradition of sleeping out there we had a champion called deve gowda who'd sleep in every public function and once they asked him that why do you keep sleeping in public functions yeah and he turned around and said i may be a sleeping politician <laughs> but one should know that a sleeping politician is always awake about national politics which is the corniest line i have heard in his only so yeah only uh, from a only from a politician but you know on a more serious note i think sleeping off in in a during a parliament session is still okay if you compare it to people who were caught exchanging lurid messages <laughs> or videos uh, with each other on their mobile phones i think it's better you sleep than do that in when you are actually in public office and doing something for the people oh, yeah. you know especially when there's an even elected. more interesting incident where more happened in one of the ante rooms of parliament oh, where God. the speaker don't meera kumar there. had to late don't go there don't go there i know so i won't I go there no. but the speaker meera kumar had to very regretfully tell them that perhaps this is not the best place to express your emotions physically or otherwise anyway let's move on to more interesting stuff but you know i am i am with you sleeping should be allowed these are overworked people if they sleep once in a while it should be fine on that note let me say let sleeping uh, stories lie we'll get into a very small break but before we take a small break we would like to remind our listeners 
that you can send our feedback as always suggestions answer our quiz questions to this email address factofthematterindia at the rate gmail.com you can catch all our episodes on Amazon Music Spotify Apple Podcasts Google Podcasts Report Stitcher basically on whichever platform you prefer click on the follow button which will ensure that you automatically get informed whenever a new episode drops catch our website anchor.fm hacks uh, slash fact of the matter and leave your feedback for us rate us we rate us do whatever you feel like give us your suggestions give us your thoughts stay in there as we take a little breather but when we come back we have our regular sections following so don't go anywhere welcome back So in our next section which is still called cute words and phrases as Joy refuses to rename it I don't know for what reason I will start off by asking Joy to come with what word or phrase do you have for us this week in this episode I just have a simple one just because I read too many of these hard boiled crime novels yep so my story today is something which is called a chicago overcoat okay So a Chicago overcoat has a couple of other names it's also called cement shoes or a Chicago overcoat mm-hmm. and what it is is one of the techniques used by the mafia to get rid of obviously their opponents or people who don't agree with them mm-hmm. and what it involves is you weigh down the victim with concrete around his legs okay. and throw him into the water so those cement shoes basically hold you there and you drown out there and say for a Chicago overcoat is when you're encased in cement and just thrown into the water so that's wow. a way of assassination that's called the chicago overcoat so if anyone in chicago tells you you want a chicago overcoat please say no i'm not going to touch a overcoat again in my life forget the chicago <laughs> overcoat but you know uh, my uh, story or my word cute word is uh, probably more mundane and probably well tabulated but i still think it's something I wanted to touch which is where does the word assassin comes from and uh, there the story is and maybe many of you know this it's it comes from an arabic nickname and variously explained if you look at the etymology uh, there's a nizari ismaili sect in the middle east um, again fanatical muslim sect they were they used to be in the mountains of lebanon at the time of the crusades and there was a leadership which was you know which was the, the leader was a person called Hassan ibn ul sabah and he was often called the old man of the mountains and this guy used to train a lot of assassins how by giving them a lot of hashish and that's how the word hashishin and the hashashin comes from which the word assassin comes after having hashish they would intoxicate themselves and thereby probably not think straight except to do their job which was to murder somebody they were given the job they would go do the assassination and then vanish um in very few cases where they caught and i think joy if i remember right the rule was that if you are about to be caught then you commit suicide so you you are never going to give up the root of where you come from or the place where you come from so from the word from hashish to hashishin to assassin that's how the word comes so just putting it up there now you all know probably where the word assassin comes from there are some other um, roots joy like the there's a middle english word of hasses the old french of hasasis but i think most people are saying that uh, the root is from this arabic word hashishin 
Yeah, absolutely. And you know, that's why the famous is that castle at Alamut where he used to be there. It's like far off in the hills and it was such a place that they even knew that that's where they're going to come from. It's in this place called the Rudbad, which is in ah, modern Iran. Right. And they could just never get him because it was so high that, you know, to reach that, it's called, the fort was called Alu Umu, the eagle's teaching, because it was so high and it's so difficult. So and he could just send people with impunity. He was a very well-read man as well, but fascinating, fascinating personality. And assassin is something that, uh, that the story always fascinates me. Absolutely fascinates me. Absolutely. And uh, the Eagle's Lair reminds me of another place which is called the Adlerheim, which is also called Eagle's, Eagle's uh, Lair. And the Adler Schloss, the Eagle's Adler Schloss Adler, which was, yeah, the, the very, very famous uh, Eagle's Nest. Yes, the Alistair MacLean story, right? Where it's a lovely there. story. It's still yeah. one of my favorite stories. And movies. I mean, yeah, it was it was phenomenal, I think, the movie. So that's that's uh, cute words and phrases. And now we move into the probably the most anticipated section in this entire episode, which is bare naked lies, where Joy and I try to bluff each other with a true or false question. And uh, mostly till now, Joy has won, but there has been some very strong performances from my side in the last few episodes, and I have honorably drawn on quite a few occasions. So let's see if I can take it one step further and go for a victory. So Joy Bhattacharya, first draw for you. Hit me with your question. My question to you is about busy air routes. We know that Mumbai, Delhi are among the busiest air routes in the world according to the number of passengers they carry. Mm -hmm. uh, almost seven, more than 7 million in a year they carry to each other, Mumbai to Delhi. But Chiu and Seoul are the two cities connected in the busiest air routes in the world. The most number of cities are carried, most number of passengers are carried between these two cities, the city of Seoul and the city of Jiu. Yes or no? I'll go with true. You're absolutely right. It is. Seoul and Jiu are the two most connected cities in the world. They're just about 450 kilometers apart. But every year, more than 14 million passengers cross across on the flight route. That's the most busy. They've just edged out Tokyo and Sapporo, which is in second place. Right. And Sydney and Melbourne in third place. India, of course. Mumbai and Delhi in fifth place. But uh, this time, you've got it bang on. So one nail and... Joy, this is my question for you. This is about a guy called uh, Anwar al-Sadat, Muhammad Anwar al-Sadat, who was the third president of Egypt till he was assassinated again by fundamentalist army officers on 6th of October in 1981. But my question is this. My statement is that he was a senior member of the free officers before he became president who overthrew King Farouk of Egypt in 1952 in the Great Egyptian Revolution. So he was part of the free officers and a very senior member and was part of the coup attempt to overthrow King Farouk in the Egyptian Revolution of 1952. Is this statement true or false? I know Nasser was the guy who was leader there. Okay, I'm going to say true. And you are correct. Because you're absolutely correct on all fronts. Nasser was the leader of the pack and he became a very close confidant of uh, General Gamal Abdel Nasser as well, uh, who did the Aswan Dam and was a big player in uh, North African politics for many, many years. But yes, you're right. It's one all. We have a draw, an honorable, respectable draw. And that brings us to the audience question for this round. But before that, Joy, let me tell you quickly what was the question last time around and who all got the answer. 
Now, Joy, if you remember, you had asked a question about a movie which was directed by Steven Spielberg. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, this is a, this is one of my favorite questions, and I love it simply because you know it just is a, such a crazy, crazy story. Yep. The question was literally a movie where the person on whom the movie was based could never see the film for a long, long time. He'd carry That's around right. a poster of the film, but he couldn't see the film. And the answer is this is Mehran Karimi Nasiri. Okay. who is the person on which the story, the terminal is made. He's an, actually an Iranian refugee who lived in the departure lounge of Terminal 1 in Shadigao Airport from 1988 till 2006 because of a crazy situation <laughs> where the French wouldn't allow him in and he couldn't get out of the country. Fantastic. So he used to live in the terminal and this is his story. So there's a film made in his life, but in those days, you know, they didn't have video and all, so he couldn't see it. So he'd go around with a poster saying, you know, this is a film made on me. But right. he didn't see the film till much later. Okay. And the correct answers have come from Neeraj Dubey, Rajiv Makhni. And this is not the Rajiv Makhni from NDTV, it's somebody else. Dinesh Jain and Abhi Bhattacharya. These are the winners from this week. And Joy, what's the question we will leave our listeners with yeah. for the next episode? First, I just have to say I'm really impressed by our listeners because for somebody to get this, this is not one of the easiest questions. It's not, not very Googleable. So I'm really impressed that four people managed to get that. My next question, I don't know if it's much easier, but I, it's just another question I like. Which book, the title of which book gets itself from something said by a person after he was hit on the head by a bouncer from Fanny de Villiers? That means... Which book gets its title from something a person said after he was hit by a bouncer by Fanny de Villiers of South Africa? That's my question for the day. Fantastic. So we'll leave you with that. This is the festival period here in India. So have fun, behave responsibly, um, try to keep the environment clean as much as possible so that you can yourself breathe clean air. And remember, you can always send your answers to this email address, factofthematterindia at gmail.com. Catch all our episodes, as always, on Amazon Music, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and basically whichever streaming audio streaming platform you use. Click on the follow button, give us all your feedback, check our website, and so on and so forth. And next week, we will come back with another brand new episode with brand new stories. Till then, from Joy and me. And Joy, you want to say something to top it off right at the end? Enjoy responsibly. That's all I say in the festive season. That's it. Enjoy responsibly and see you soon. Bye.